Hey, TABC family, welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us as we seek to go deeper into Sunday's teaching and ask the questions that will help us live out God's word in our daily lives. That's why we do this podcast, to equip the followers of Jesus here at 12th to grow in obedience and affection for him every day. Our hope is that at 12th, we would be a biblical community of kingdom people who are joining God in the restoration of all things, one person, one place at a time. And our desire is that our time together today equips you to do just that. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody, it is Jordan and Danny Payne here on this wrap-up. We're talking about Danny's message out of Genesis 17 yesterday where he covered the name of God, El Shaddai. So, Danny, thank you for the message yesterday, man, and thank you for being here today. Man, it was such a privilege to be back with 12th Avenue yesterday. I always enjoy being back at a church that I had the privilege of serving and just know what God is up to in this area and just grateful for the time together. For those of us who have not been around 12th for a long time, Remind us what your time here was like and when that was and kind of the role that you played. Well, we came across in covered wagons and we set the <laughs> church up. <in> the- <laughs> uh, no, I was here for about four and a half years. I worked with Al Earhart as the lead pastor at the time. I was youth. Um, I was youth and discipleship. I started, but when I finished, I was youth and an admin role. And so I just really enjoyed my time here. Finished up my schooling here, learned a whole bunch uh, just about church life. And I just had a great season of ministry here and just love 12th Avenue a whole bunch. It was a great uh, chapter in my ministry world. You know, it makes sense that you you said you were here doing youth and a lot of things are clicking in my mind because, you know, I'll do a lot of things here and people kind of roll their eyes like, well, that's not how Danny used to do it. <laughs> and I just thought it was like a, an idiom or something, but no, okay, Danny Payne, that's the one I'm getting compared to. Yeah, well, if, if you think about it, he goes, that's not the way Danny did it. And they, you didn't hear the other part, thankfully. Yeah. Oh, I must have walked away before that. Like, thank the Lord. That's great. No, man, we love having you here. It's so good to have you yesterday. And so just wanted to bounce a few things off you. The first is that you really hit home um, God Almighty and this theme of that God not only can do things, but is always doing things in big ways and in small ways with us. But you you started with a really great point and just kind of some vulnerability from the pulpit, which is really, really great. Because you know, Garen, he's never vulnerable from the front. Yeah, he's just right. big macho, tough guy. <laughs> so good, good change of pace. Um, you said, have you ever doubted God? And so I thought that was great because that's not something we're ever talking about in church. I'm never coming on a Sunday morning and saying, hey, guess how I doubted God this week? Like that just doesn't happen. No, we don't. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, the reason I put that out there is because I know that I struggle with doubt and I, I shared some stories that you can hear again if you want to, but just there are moments where we just doubt. We just, we think we know, we think we know how we would respond and we have questions. Um, but I, I, this is what I know about this God is he can handle our doubts. He's not, He's not, he doesn't shy away from it. He doesn't roll his fingers at us. He doesn't roll his eyes at us. He doesn't put fold up his arms. And, you know, I think about when Peter, when Peter walked out to Jesus on the water and he gets out to him and then he, he sees his surroundings and then he starts to sink. And, and Jesus says, why did you doubt? Like you were, you were with me, but, but it's just, I think that it's, there's room for doubt because Jesus can take that doubt and can grow us 
and can reveal his, who he is and who he wants to be in our lives. So I guess my next question is, I hear you saying that God understands our doubt, but is doubting wrong? I mean, there's verse in James, right? That if you doubt, you're like the wind or you're like the wave being tossed by the wind. There's not a good picture of doubters in scripture. So is it a sin to doubt? Is God angry? Is he sad? Like what's happening there when we doubt? You know, Jordan, I kind of like to look at the Bible as a whole, and there's lots of people who doubted. I mean, we talked about a couple in particular yesterday that doubted, like, there is no way that this should happen. And I, I think when you look at the, the the Bible as a whole, the context of it, that Jesus can can handle our doubt. And and I don't believe it's sinful because it's it's a it's a it's a point of transition. Can we trust him and follow him? into a path and saying, God, I'm not really sure, but I'm willing to take steps with you to figure it out. And I think that's a God who's always reaching back for us saying, come on, let's go for this journey together. And even if you're not hundred percent sure, I'm willing to go at your pace to help you figure out that I am who I am. And I did what I said I would do. My next note that I have really just is led in well by what you just said, because you told us yesterday, we've got to know that God's power is not restricted by our lack of faith right? Which is so reassuring because if it were, I don't think anything would ever get done in our lives. I mean, how many times do we do something and we're like, man, I don't even know if this is what God wants for me or if this is going to work, but I guess we'll just try it. And how often does God honor that and bless that and multiply that? Not just in ministry, but in in regular life too. And and I will say, I was at a church. I didn't share this story yesterday because I always got stories. I'm a pastor. I can flap my gums with the best of them. But when I was at a church in Olathe, actually the church that I went to after I left here we were a small church just trying to get our footing, and we were in a big gymnasium that was poorly designed. It's The acoustics were awful, and we had seismic depth. I, I, th- I think we can relate here. Yeah, I well. think you can. <laughs> well said. And so I proposed to the church, with the size we were and the debt that we had, to remodel the auditorium. And, and you would have thought that I was asking just something unbelievable. It was like, there's no way. There, everybody was like, we can't do this. So I grabbed a small group of people and I get asking them to begin praying about what could be and should be in our church. Yes, we're small. Yes, we have catastrophic debt from the building, but we if we want to move forward as a church that we needed to remodel. And so we put a plan together and we started praying and we asked the church to give I think it was $50,000 to renovating the auditorium. And I believed, I, I, and what was really awesome for me is God began to instill within the leaders of our church that not only could we do this, but we will do this. Mm. And so we had a banquet in March to say, here's the vision for this. Here's why we're going to do it. Here's how we're going to do it. And here's how you can participate. And so we all walked in thinking, oh, well, if we could raise a portion of the money by fall, we would consider that a win. And I'll tell you what a mighty God did, Jordan. Mm. We had all of the money by Mother's Day. Mm. Wow. All of it. And I, it showed me that a, a mighty God can do extraordinary things when people remove the, that doesn't make sense thing, the obstacles, the, you know, whatever it is. And we say, you know, maybe God is up to something here. Let's just... Henry Blackaby used to say, you know, wherever God's at, at join him there. Mm. And I think that's what a mighty God does. He does the impossible and things that don't make sense. Yeah. 
so often we are held back from the big thing is God, that God is doing because I think that we can't see the next step and so we won't take it. Or we think a big step is required of us when maybe just a small one is. And we think a big mountain of faith is needed when it's just a mustard seed. Mustard seed. And um, yeah, I think the enemy speaks that to us too. You don't have enough faith in this or you don't see the way in this. And if we, like Peter, really keep our eyes on Jesus, to go back to your analogy, um, we're good. And when we take our eyes off him is really when we <laughs> start to see. Amen. And I, I just I'm I just think I go back to Abraham and Sarah. I mean, logically and biologically, having a child at their age, I mean, everybody would just go, Yeah, you're dreaming. Mm-hmm. But a mighty God was going, I'm gonna demonstrate my might in an impossible situation to demonstrate that I am who I am, and I will do what I said I would do. Yeah. Something else you talked about yesterday that was so meaningful was that God is not only at work in the big things, and that was kind of a, you just laid out a big situation where God showed up in a big way, right? But that God is also at work in the small day-to-day things. And so I guess one question I have for this, and you can take this any direction you want, but maybe people are out there thinking like, okay, I, but I see God doing big things in the Bible. You know, like I see a flood coming and I see bread being multiplied and I see people finding coins and fish mouths to pay for their taxes, right? So like, if I'm following Jesus, why am I not seeing big things? Why am I only seeing small things? You know, I would say that, because I grew up with the same Bible everybody else has, that I always saw the big stuff and God was showing me that he is actually, in my estimation, more active in the little stuff. We just don't see it. We just don't see him as big deals. And I'll give you a parenting thing because I'm relatively new to the parenting thing. And one of the things that was I learned here just in the last probably six months that, you know, shockingly that um, God was working on my soul about how I spoke to my daughter when I asked her to do stuff. Because I grew up in a military family that louder is better mm. and bark is, is respond now. Mm-hmm. And that's how I grew up. But I realized that my daughter didn't respond particularly well to those things Mm -hmm. and with great anxiety and frustration. And so over the last few months, God had worked on my soul in the small ways, just saying, speak to your daughter about what you want her to do, but change your tone. Mm. And I did. Instinctively, I wanted to raise my voice and say, get this done or whatever. But God was saying, talk to her in a tone that she'll respond to. And quite frankly, most people respond to. Sure. Yeah. And I, as a parent, I went, she responds better and my blood pressure doesn't go up. (laughs) (laughs) It's a win-win right there. It is. It was a win-win, but it was like, God was, that's that day-to-day stuff. That wasn't a huge thing, Mm -hmm. but it was a way of God saying, if you'll listen to me and you'll trust me, I've got a better path here that will make you a better parent. Yeah. And that was really, that's how I've been now the last Three or four, five months now, I just have chosen to not speak in a way that puts a wall between my daughter and I, but mm-hmm. say, hey, it's time for dinner, put your stuff down or whatever. I've just done it in a manner that she responds better. Hmm. And that came solely from God. Yeah. And who knows how that will grow and how God will use that in bigger ways down the line. But you were faithful in a small way. And, right. and so as a small step, I think also we, we kind of talked about this yesterday that, uh, God will do small things in our lives, but oftentimes we get so used to his goodness that we stop seeing it. And so we're almost like, God, where are you at? And it's like, man, if you would open your eyes and look at all the little things I'm doing for you every day, 
you would realize that I'm here with you and I'm asking small steps of faith from you, but you're looking to the sky for big stuff and you're kind of missing out on what's in front of you. I used to tell my church all the time that the best way to see God's activity is through the rearview mirror. I mean, not in all circumstances, because certainly he's right there with you, but sometimes our best way is looking back and saying, oh, there's God's activity. There's a marker there. There's a moment there. There's a conversation here. There is a something that's been changing that I just went, oh, wow, I don't, I handle that better now than I used to. That's God's mighty work in our transformational of our lives, because transformation is slow, let's be honest. Yeah, sure. It's brick by brick. And it's, you don't really notice it until you look back and you see a change. That's the trouble though. We want to, we want to be changed tomorrow, right? Amen. Hey, I want it now. We want, we, 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 I said that yesterday. We, we don't want, we don't want, we don't want to operate on God's time. We want to operate on our time. And I think sometimes we read the Bible and we forget that these events sometimes took the place, took place over a long span of time. And we're getting a very short condensed version. And it's like, well, look at this. God did this and this. And it's like, you don't realize all the tiny things that happened in between those big things and all the small ways that they were faithful to God in each of those times. And so sometimes we can fool ourselves and think that things are supposed to happen quicker than they are. I, I can't remember, Jordan, but when when God told Mo, uh, Abram in Genesis 15 that he would have a child, I think the time that elapsed was about 15 years. Yeah, a while. And how often has God told us something and... 14 years goes by and we're like, wow, he's forgotten about me. No, it's right around the corner. Yep. You'll just stay faithful. Yeah. Yep. Wow, and I just, I just, so it just, you think about that. And that's where, you know, I said this yesterday, whenever you want to help God, uh, don't. Yeah. Right. It's not going to go well. Cause he's got it. We forget that. So, so quickly DP, you made a big point of this. I will phrase yesterday. It was, it was mentioned in a few ways and you really brought us back to it for those of us who remember, okay, I know Danny talked about, I will but I'm kind of blanking on the significance. Can you give us a, the, the rundown quickly of why that was so key to this? Well, when Garen asked me to jump into this series, I, 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 I knew the song, I knew the El Shaddai only from the Amy Grant, but to dig into it and to look at the passage. But then when I was talking to Garen about this, that this is the first time that El Shaddai is used as a, as a reference at the beginning, but that sets the table, that El Shaddai God Almighty sets a table because everything after that is the I wills. Mm. And then I was like, wow, there's a lot of I wills. And it occurred to me that whatever a, a phrase or a word is repeated, you should, uh, there's a general word in biblical world, you should pay attention. Yeah. And I just kept looking at the I wills. And he was driving home the point to Abraham that I will do this. I will make a covenant. I will, I will, I will. It's just, and he's really driving home the point is, that I'm a mighty God and a mighty God will do what he said he would do. And it was just, he was driving home the point that he is who he is and that he will do what he says he does. And it just, that, that was just such a comforting thing for me. It also gave me this, this God is just trustworthy and this God delivers on his promises. He honors his covenants and he stays with us through it all, regardless of if our faith is like Abraham's and it kind of wavers at times he doesn't back off. Mm -hmm. He doesn't change his covenant. He doesn't change his I wills to maybes. He just says, I will. Yeah. Can we just give the people listening assurance that people in ministry struggle with that too? Amen. Like, I think sometimes people see the people on the stage as just these faith giants. And it's like, man, we're in the same boat. We're trying to step out one time, one foot at a time and keep our eyes on Jesus. And we look down and we, we fall in the water and 
Yeah. So it's all of us. There's a lot more Peter of Peter in us on the, when he was walking out to Jesus and we look around at our surroundings, we look around the seasons of life and ministry and we start to sink. And here's what I love about that story. It was one of my favorite stories in the Bible because Jesus doesn't fold his arms at Peter in his doubt. He reaches down yeah. and grabs him. Right. And I just love that. And I just, and I just, that's a mighty God that we serve, that he is reaching into our lives in all seasons, regardless of how big or small our faith is and walking with us. Yeah. When we see someone doubt Jesus, we think the natural thing to do would be to maybe step back and make them earn it a little bit more. Oh, right. well, you fumbled. So now you got to earn a little more right. or even turn their back. But you're right. That imagery of him reaching down and meeting him where he is and pulling him back up. I mean, that's where he is with us too. And um, my flesh, my mind, it doesn't make sense to me because it's not how I am. But the more you read God's word and know who Jesus is on a personal level, you realize, wow, that really is who he is to me. And I, that verse speaks to a larger scale, just the Bible in general. I mean, I mean, this God who's a sustainer and provider that we've been talking about through this, I mean, he provided a way for Abraham and Sarah to have a child at their ages. And it's like, mm-hmm. he does what he says he will do. And I just, that brings me comfort. It brings me security. It brings me hope. It's, it assures me. And it, it, for somebody who's new out there, a story like this and, a, and understanding who God is, it just strengthens your foundation. It may even broaden it. Mm-hmm. So it gives you better footing. Is it possible that it, it's strengthening and it's, it's, it's really good for maybe the new believer, but for the seasoned believer, it could be more of a challenge because we are so prone oh, absolutely. To, to do it ourselves. So maybe different, depending on how long you follow Jesus, you might hear this differently or be challenged or it might do something different in your heart. Oh, absolutely. Because I think the, uh, I know this about ministry and in my life as a Christian, you, you know what to pray, you know what to say, mm-hmm. you know how to read. By and large, you know how to act. But I think our tension is, are we going to keep leaning in on God as we grow? Yeah. Because anything that good that's happening in my life isn't because of me. Mm-hmm. And I got to be reminded that, I mean, I mean, Paul told us, you know, uh, well, I'm, he, he sees himself as one of the worst sinners. He, he says, I'm, you know, and he's like, he wrote better half of the New Testament. It's like, but he sees himself as he really is. Yeah. A broken person needing Jesus all the time. Yeah. I think some of the best advice maybe we could have for experienced Jesus followers listening might be to not be afraid to go back to square one because when we think we, you know, are ready for the master class in following Jesus, that that's when it's like, no, you know, you need to remember that you can't bring anything to this. You know, it's not you. Let's take a step back. Remember what your faith was like that first year of following him and how much you leaned on him and needed him and how big your faith was. That's oftentimes where we need to be. So I would completely agree. I well said. Hey, one last thing before we get you out of here. Um, you ended it really well yesterday. You said, uh, well, you, you gave us a question. Does God have the freedom to be mighty in our lives? And are we too focused on what makes sense? So maybe we could lead with some vulnerability here, DP. You and I, um, and I'll even lead you. I'll, I'll go first. But does God have freedom to be mighty in my life? And am I too often focused on what makes sense? Um, I think that one area where God needs to have more freedom to be mighty in my life is probably in my heart and in my soul, because you can probably relate, you've been a pastor, it's easy to read things and be close to God and always be thinking about the other people that I can communicate this to. But man, for me to really internalize that and say, God, 
I don't need you to be small in my heart. I need you to be mighty because I'm just as broken too, right? And uh, and just being willing to to do things and follow him into situations that don't really make sense, whether it's um, ministering to somebody or whether it's something God is asking me to do that maybe might break the mold on how I feel like um, a church person should should be seen or whatever, like not being too proud to be like, no, I need to get on my knees right now. Um, so that's probably, that'd be for me. Cause I got, I know it doesn't seem like it DP, but I got a lot of pride I'm working through. I got a lot of like junk in here that I'm working through too. So I'm with you, my friend, Jordan. I, I feel your, I, I, I feel the agreement there in my own soul. Uh, mine would be similar to yours is the longer you do this ministry thing and the longer you're a Christ follower, um, I read it several years ago, I think Paul David Tripp said, uh, most important thing you do is preach to yourself. Yeah. And it's easy for me to preach to others and give mm-hmm. them wisdom and insight and input. Um, but it always needs to start with me because um, there are days when I look at my life and I'm like, um, I like a do-over today. Yeah. And I, I think it's just like whenever, what I was talking about yesterday, I, I was preaching to myself first and I needed to do that because... I know that if I'm not preaching to myself, uh, I'm in trouble because, and God reminds me of that, that you don't, you're not as far along as you think you are. And so preaching to myself first uh, is important. It keeps, it keeps me grounded. And sometimes I do it really well. And sometimes in my grade card, it says needs improvement. <laughs> <laughs> that parent-teacher conference. DP, thank you for being here. So appreciate your time. Um, you're welcome at 12th anytime. And for the listeners, hope this was useful for you guys. El Shaddai um, means God Almighty. And Amen. so may he be that for us and may we lean into his promises this week, not do it ourselves. So have a great week, guys. We'll see you next time.